Here's what I want to tell you today. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Let the word go out far and wide that Jesus is alive. If you will, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. I'm a little loud here. Matthew chapter 28. I want you to think about it. Jesus is alive. He was in the grave. He was buried. But the reason that we're here today is that Jesus is alive. It's not about a holiday. It's not about an Easter bunny. It's not about Easter eggs. It's not about a family get-together. All those things are good and fine. But today is about Jesus and who he is, the one who was crucified for your sin and my sin, the one who was buried for our sin, the one who was ro- who rose from the dead to give us a life, to give us life. Now, do you get that? Now, we hear it so much that it doesn't really phase us too much. But Jesus was dead and he's alive. It should be shocking to us if somebody came back from the grave. It should not only be shocking, it should be comforting to, to us that our God has found victory over death. But most, most of all, it should be touching for us. The fact that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us and that he resurrected from the grave should be comforting to us. You know why? Because it's the heart of what we believe. It's the heart of what we believe. It's the very center. Your heart and your body pumps blood to every part of your body, and that gives you life. Just as surely as your physical heart gives you life, the resurrection gives us life. Because without the resurrection, we have no heart. Without the resurrection, death is still victorious over man. Without the resurrection, sin, which is separation from God, still rules over us. Without Without the resurrection, the church is but a shell steeped in superstition. Without the resurrection, there is no eternal hope. There is no eternal life. There is no relationship to God. Without the resurrection, there is no abundant life here. There's no eternal life there. There, Without the resurrection, there is no heaven. Easter is about resurrection, and it's about life. Admittedly, there are some folks... Maybe even some folks here who think, Brother Jerry, don't get all upset about it. Easter is really about the bunny and eggs and getting families together. But, folks, I'm going to tell you, it's about Jesus. We saw one video complete, and we saw the stone roll back. What a magnificent morning. In fact, that first video, when you saw heard the ground shake and the stone roll back, Today, I want to title this message, The Rolling Stone. Okay, now, I know some of you are old as I am, and you remember the Rolling Stones. Give me an amen and a smile. You remember the Rolling Stones? Well, I have to tell you that as I I dug this out and and I thought about this, certainly they came to mind. But I want us to get this Rolling Stone in and through our minds. Matthew 28 If you found that, let's stand to read a portion of God's word if you can. First ten verses. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake 
Because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. Now here's what I'm going to pause and tell you. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that the very thing that we thought kept Jesus in the grave, he was sitting on it. It was no big deal. He rolled back the stone and he was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards. Now I'm going to pause there to tell you these are tough Roman guards. They, they took life and death in their own hands. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples... He has risen from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing from the tomb with fear and great joy, fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came, they came up, took hold of his feet. They touched him. And worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. What a great promise. Let's bow together. Heavenly Father, I pray the truth of your word will permeate our hearts in a fresh new way today. Remove distractions. Lord, I ask you to... Allow the blood of Jesus on this building to keep Satan out. And let us hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There were three men who were discussing their funerals and what they wanted at their funeral. And they were talking about, as they lay in state, what they wanted people to say when they came by. And the first guy said, well, you know, uh, when, the, when they come by my casket... I want them to look in there and say, he was a good family man. The second guy said, well, you know what I'd like? I'd like him to come by and look at me and say, he was a good Christian man. The third guy came by. He said, well, I'm a little different than y'all. I want people to come by and look at me and go, I think he's moving. Here's what I want to say to you. They put Jesus in the ground. He rose from the grave. You can't even, he didn't stop moving when he got out. He's still moving today. We need to get our heads and hands around that. He was killed. He was buried. And bless God, he rose again for us. He's moving. In our story, we, taught, we saw this rolling stone. So this morning, I want to ask you three questions about this rolling stone. Ask and answer for you three questions about this rolling stone. For question number one. So why did the stone roll? Why in the world did the stone roll? I mean, have you ever really given any thought as to the why? Did you think the stone, do you think the stone had to rose away for Jesus to rise from the grave? And the biblical answer would be no. The stone didn't have to roll away for Jesus to be resurrected. I mean, I want you to think about it. Approximately a week later, they were in a room, the disciples. Doors were locked. 
Walls around them and Jesus appeared among them. And, and Jesus appeared among them. Walls didn't contain him. Rocks didn't contain him. He even offered him a chance to touch his body in that closed setting. Or how about in Acts 5 when um, Peter and, the, and some of the disciples were in jail and an angel came to them at night and said, come on, let's go. And so they went out what they thought was open through the open doors, bud. Well, it was fine, except the next morning when everybody woke up and went down there, the doors were locked. How about the two men on the road to Emmaus? They walked with Jesus, didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him until he started breaking and blessing the bread, and then they recognized him, and watch this, then he's disappeared. Oh, preacher, I don't believe that. I got my own. I said, well, you know, here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't have to believe it. It's cool. But just whether you believe it or not doesn't make it true. Because you see, our Lord is not, is not bound by earthly things. So I want to give you three possibilities of why the stone actually rolled. Possibility number one, to demonstrate control. Maybe better said was to demonstrate authority, to demonstrate power. When you read the story of the crucifixion of Jesus there in Jerusalem, you understand that the chief priests and the scribes And the Pharisees, the Roman government, even the people thought they were in charge. They thought they controlled the narrative. But yet, the chief priests and the the religious leaders and the scribes and the government, they all thought something was going to happen. Actually, they thought the disciples were going to come and steal the grave. And so they secured the grave. You remember all that they did? They put this Roman praetorium there. These were guys who knew about life and death. They had been through hand-to-hand combat. These were tough guys. They put them out there. The grave was secure. They weren't satisfied with that. So they went to the Roman government, and they got the Roman government seal that nobody would dare break. They thought it was impregnable. Nobody would go in there. They thought... They were in control. Now, don't feel too hard at them, brothers and sisters. Don't feel too hard at those folks for thinking they're in control. Because too often in the 21st century, we think we're in control. We think we control the narrative. The Bible may, be, the Bible may teach us something, and Jesus' words may tell us something, but we believe we can do what we want, live like we want, go like we want, schedule our, work our own schedule because we think we are in control. And the argument goes something like this. I can control my life, where I go, what I do, what I want, what I buy, how I live. And I guess for your life on earth you can do that. Certainly God has given you the ability to make decisions. But I don't want you to miss this on this Easter Sunday morning. Your body is frail. We had funeral Thursday and Friday that prove it. Your body is frail. Your life will pass away. Oh, that's good, Brother Jerry. I'm ready to go to heaven. Okay, that's fine. I got you. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Your body is frail. Your life will pass away. And you know what happens after that? You'll stand face to face with God. It's one thing to think that you're ready to go to heaven. It's another thing to think that you stand face to face with God. 
It's appointed to man wants to die after that heaven. That's not what the scripture says. It says after that judgment. Who do you think controls eternity when you step out from here and go into the life beyond? Who do you think? You think you control eternity? You think your boss controls eternity? You think your stockbroker controls eternity? You think your banker controls eternity? Your coach? How about this? This is the one who controls eternity. The one who parted the Red Sea. The one who brought water from the rock. The one who was in the fire with the three Hebrew boys. The one who protected Daniel in the lion's den. The one who cast out demons. The one who healed the sick. Gave sight to the blind. Even raised the dead. And this is the one that rolled back the stone. He's in control. Only he has the power and authority. Why was the stone rolled back? Is any doubt? You can't do it. I can't do it. God did it to demonstrate control. The second reason I'd suggest to you is to display the contents. Have you ever thought about that? A grave is a mysterious thing. Now, I can really run around that little thought for a while. A grave is a mysterious thing. We've all got loved ones in a grave, so I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm just telling you. As a kid, I always, when I'd walk to a graveyard, Eric, and there was a there's an ant bed on the grave. I'd go, hmm, I wonder what's under there. I mean, a, a grave is mysterious. Nobody really hangs out in a graveyard. The ladies came to the tomb. They came to the tomb, and they knew what was supposed to be in there. It was the, the body of their loved one, their friend, their Lord Jesus. And they knew that someone or a group of someones was going to have to roll back this massive stone. Little did they know, little did they know that the Lord himself was going to roll back the stone. It hadn't occurred to them, hadn't dawned on them. The truth, the truth is, is that, is that had the believers, had the followers, had the people of the way said that Jesus is alive and the grave was closed, what would have people have thought about him? That have thought they were liars, lunatics, and idiots. The grave, the grave was, the stone was rolled back. I put this on Facebook. A lot of you follow me on Facebook. Never forget this. The stone wasn't rolled back for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled back so that we could go in. You see, our Lord wanted us to see into that place. That place where the world had put the body of our Lord Jesus and said it was over. The Lord wanted us to look in there and understand that the world does not get the last word. On the cross, Jesus said it is finished. He was talking about the plan of salvation. I'm just going to tell you, he, it, it was finished because he paid the price, but he wasn't through. Because three days later, he defeated death and hell and sin. The stone rolls back to demonstrate who's in control. It rolls back to display the contents, which is empty. The third suggestion for you is why the stone rolled back was to disarm the critics. Why, Why would you say something like that? I will just tell you that if you read history, you will understand, or you look around and talk to people, the the list of critics is well documented throughout history. 
I have a I have an Easter message that I've not preached here, where I walk down all the ways, all the ways that Satan has tried to dismantle the crucifixion. Because you need to hear me: if Satan can can discount, if he can disprove the the, the resurrection, he can dismantle Christianity. Frank Morrison was a lawyer. He set out, and he was a non-believer. He set out to write a book that proved. Jesus didn't rise from the grave. He did his lawyer-type uh, due diligence. And finally, that book came out. It was entitled, Who Moved the Stone? Chapter 1 was the book that refused to be written. You go, you go all through history. Ben-Hur is a, came out of the, uh, 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 a critic trying to disprove the resurrection. The, the list goes on and on and on. But I want you to listen just for a moment for the sake of time, just a couple of, of evidences. Now, when you're trying to prove something in history, you can't prove it scientifically. You have to look at the evidence. I mean, for instance, if you want to say, if you want to tell me water boils at 212 degrees, 212 degrees, and I go, I don't believe you. You can go, well, come on with me. And so we go to the stove, you put a, 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 a Water on, put the thermometer in there, and when it gets 212, it's boiling. You all with me? You can prove it. But you can't prove, you can't recreate the Second World War, the First World War, or anything like that. What you have to do is you, you can't, uh, this, I could go on in history, you can't recreate it to prove it, so you have to look at the evidence. And when you look at the evidence, you don't, you don't think about what's possible, you think what's probable. That's the way you figure it out. When you look at all these witnesses, eyewitnesses, think about it. You'll discover that Jesus actually was resurrected. Oh, here's the big one. Y'all ready for this? The guards. The guards knew what happened. Hello? They were there. Now they were laying on their faces hiding, but they were there. They were, verse 4 says, they were shaken with fear. I'll give you a thought that will bring a smile to your face. I was getting ready for this message. You know that when Jesus died on the cross, the earth shook with an earthquake. This means yes. Y'all got me? Then, as we saw at the beginning of the service, when the stone rolled back and the scripture says, the earth shook. Y'all with me? And then we read down in verse 4. The guards shook. JT, I started to name this message. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> For you see, when, when our Lord steps up, people shake. When I think about people shaking in church, I'm reminded of 1741 when Jonathan Edwards preached that now historic message, sinners in the hands of, the angry, of an angry God. Talked about how people literally shook and grabbed a hold of the pew and literally gnawed on the pew as they were as they were reminded of the fate of a life when they were absent of the grace of a benevolent God. The guards were shaken. The guards were afraid, but they knew what went on. And they went back and they told the religious leaders, their bosses, what went on. I know y'all don't. I know y'all don't catch quite yet how my mind runs. And what did their bosses do? 
They bribed them to tell a lie. Hello? Several years ago, you'll recall about the time I was preaching an Easter message. And I said, this is the initiation of fake news. They were bribed to tell a lie. Because, you see, they wanted to believe the lie instead of trust the truth. They knew Jesus was alive, and yet, despite all the evidence, they wanted to believe a lie. Well, the guards knew, the disciples, uh, the ladies knew, because they were there. They saw him. They touched him. The disciples knew. How can you prove that, Brother Jerry? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. All the disciples gave their life. For Jesus. They were put to death because of Jesus. Crucified upside down. Sawn in half. Burned at the stake. Everyone gave their life for Jesus. And in the history of humanity. In the, in the, in the medical field. The psychological medical field. Nobody. Has ever died for what they knew to be a lie. There's been some people who died for a lie when they thought it was the truth. But they wouldn't die for a lie. Each one of these disciples gave their life saying, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That's why Satan attacks it so much. He wants to discount it. Mark it down. Make it not as important. He wants to discount the resurrection because he can't disprove it. The critics have no ground to stand on. Why did the stone roll away? To demonstrate control, to display, to display its content, and to disarm critics. Second question. Second question. For whom did the stone roll? For whom did the... If the stone rolled away to, to demonstrate and, and display and disarm, who was the target of his work? I'm going to suggest to you quickly three groups. First of all, the saints. The saints. Now listen, saints is a misunderstood word, misused word. This is not talking about people who have achieved some higher degree of spirituality, some higher degree of of, uh, spiritual maturity. Rather, a saint is one who has committed their life to Christ, been forgiven of their sin, and who has been changed by the power of God through the blood of Jesus. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament continuously referred to the folks as the saints. The saints at Ephesus, the saints at Rome. I mean, whoever he wrote to, he referred to them as saints. These are the people who are walking in the strength, in the love, in the salvation, and even in the shadow of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Before the stone rolled away, they were seemingly afraid of their own shadow. <laughs> have, you read the, have you read the Bible? I mean, when Jesus was arrested, they ran, ran for cover. When Jesus was crucified, put in the ground, you couldn't find them. Locked away. But when Jesus rolled the stone back, they had a new sense of confidence. They had a new sense of courage. And they had a new passion. That even led them to their death. Why? Because they understood now who Jesus was, what Jesus could do, what Jesus would do if they would let him. Do you understand that today? 
Jesus is not just about coming together on Sundays. He's about daily living, daily life, changing us inside out. He came for the saints. But as you would guess, he, comes for the, he came for the sinners. He came for the sinners. Just in case anybody's confused in this room, that would cover every one of us before we met Jesus. Hello? That would cover every one of us before we met Jesus. As long, I want to be clear, because everybody does not make it to heaven. In fact, Matthew says, Matthew's gospel records Jesus as saying, many will be lost, few will be saved. As long as a person has no personal, daily, ongoing, growing relationship with Jesus, they will not see heaven. Yet today we look at sin and too often we go, oh, it's no big deal. Sin's so prevalent. Everybody's doing it. What does it matter? Here's the problem with that thinking. Sin. My sin. Your sin. Our sin. Cost Jesus his life. God's only son. The Bible teaches us clearly that all have sinned. That includes you and me. The Bible teaches us there's none righteous. No, not one. That would mean that all of us have sinned. The Bible teaches us that the wages, let me put it in a modern day, not just the wages, the the payment schedule, the compensation schedule for sin is death. Easter's all about but the gift of God. God in his love while we were still in our sin emptied the tomb and brought forth the living Lord Jesus to give us life. The rolling stone, that rolled stone is a reminder that that in we can have life from death. He targets sinners with his love. I will say one other thing. Oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Wrong. The only reason we believe that is because Bill Guthrie wrote the song 40 years ago. It's not right. You see, we were sinners. And then we were saved by the grace of God, and now we're saints. We're no longer sinners saved by grace. We're saints saved by grace now, if you know the Lord. Well, I'm not better than anybody, no. But you have a different position now in Jesus if Jesus has come to save you. If you're here today and you don't have a, and you don't have a personal ongoing relationship with Jesus, I said nothing about Church membership, I said nothing about regular in church, although the, those things will come naturally to someone who really has a relationship with Christ because Christ died for the church. I want to tell you three things God doesn't know. You ready? He doesn't know a sin he doesn't hate because sin put his son on the cross. At the same time, he doesn't know a sinner that he doesn't love. And the third thing he doesn't know, he doesn't know a heart he can't change. It don't matter where you are, it don't matter where you've been, it don't matter what you've done, it don't matter how you feel, what you do. If you come to him, he will save your soul. 
He come for saints. He come for sinners. If you don't know Jesus and you are now in that center category, I got news for you. The third group Jesus came for. He came for seekers. He came for seekers. When someone is seeking something, they're actively going after it. They're trying to find it. They're doing everything they can to find it. And the first, first verses in our scripture, the ladies were coming. Second verses, the ladies were coming. They were coming to seek Jesus to take care of him. Now watch this. They came to seek Jesus and take care of him. When they got there and they found him, Jesus took care of them. Hello? You see, that's the way our Jesus is. There have been many seekers over, over the past 2,000 plus years, people who have come to the tomb seeking, seeking answers. If you're seeking answers, let me offer this to you. Hear the words of Jesus. Heed the words of Jesus. The truth is, is that if you, if you heed the words of Jesus, let me just tell you another way. Heed the words of the angel if you're seeking He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Here's the invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Today I implore you to come and see. Some people seek Jesus, but they don't really seek the real version of Jesus. They seek their own version of Jesus. They leave their time of worship and they set Jesus aside except at Christmas, Easter, and special events or when troubles come in their life. But Jesus is so much more than that. If you honestly seek Jesus, you will find him and know him. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Because I found Jesus. And because of the empty tomb, the stone rolled away. Jesus is alive and well, and he waits for you. That brings us to our final question. Has the stone been rolled away for you? The religious of that day, a lot like the religious of today, choose to believe a lie. In that day, they chose to tell a lie rather than believe the truth and trust the evidence. If that's you today, the result is it is no longer Jesus in the grave, held captive in the grave. It's you. And that stone that rolled away, that stone of, uh, made of rock that, that kept him in the tomb or kept the tomb closed. What's keeping your tomb closed is sin. Paul tells us we're dead and trespasses and sin. As I land this plane, it brings me no pleasure to say this. And I I say that frequently when I start to speak about hell because when I was a kid, I used, to, I used to remember preachers. It almost was like they're glad people were going to hell because how the, how they shouted. It brings me no pleasure to say this. But for a person who has never trusted Jesus, never met the one that overcame death and hell, the future's pretty bleak. 
person who has no personal knowledge of Jesus, a, per, a, a life that lacks forgiveness and grace and mercy and his love. You'll never know the joys of heaven. You'll know the full life of heaven, the abundant life here, the eternal life there. Our scripture this morning said, unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom. Here's your formula. If you've only been born once, you're going to die twice because there's a second death out there. If you're born twice, you only have to die once. For some, the rolling stone has rolled away for you. And you found freedom because you trusted Christ. You understand life, while not perfect, makes sense because God's leading and walking beside you. Last thing before I begin this message, I mentioned that old rock group, the Rolling Stones. And everybody smiled so you knew who I was talking about. It could be argued that the Rolling Stones changed the culture. The rolling stone we have been talking about can change a soul and can change eternity. And that's what he wants to do today. Let's pray together.